How's work going? Oh, are you some kind of ninja in a cardigan? You nearly give me a heart attack. Well, power walking's very good for cardiovascular health, apparently. Were you looking at those missing person sites again? Yes, just on a break, so I thought I'd have another quick look. Actually, technically, I'm working, Mary, so unless you're here for something very important, I best crack on. No, I understand you're busy, but you will need something inside you to keep you going. It's like you're trying to ventriloquize it. Hello and welcome to the Top it's, of the it's, a, it's a podcast for fish who like to watch Cory. Podcast. I'm Gavin. Are we recording now? <laughs> yes, we are. Oh. Let me do it properly. <clears throat> yes. Hello and welcome to episode 118 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street catch up podcast that has never felt so sad about someone working less hours in a kebab shop. I'm Gavin. <sighs> My eyes are burning. Your eyes are burning? Actually, just this one. You get something in it? Uh, hot red pepper oh. juices. Because I was... I it's was, a bit early for that, isn't I it? I was cutting one, and then I didn't forgot to wash my hands, which you should always wash your hands in the middle of a pandemic, but never mind. And then I touched my eyelid. And then I touched my nose, so my nose is burning a little bit, too. Are people still doing the wash the hands thing? They should. You should wash your hands anyway, yes? Should we? Yes. Aren't we just bound to too much government oversight? Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Gav is kidding, guys. It's difficult to, to, to take that position, actually. It's, it's really, really hard to... To take the position that you need <clears throat> to wash your hands? No, to, to take a, um, an opposing position. It doesn't seem all that difficult. It, f- it felt difficult saying that. Okay. Well, for people who actually believe that shite, it's not difficult. <laughs> How are you? Oh, have I start? <laughs> no, I haven't. No, you haven't. Well, my eyes are burning. Well, right. my eye is burning we, we and my nose. <laughs> <clears throat> How's your week been? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. The tomatoes are coming in one at a time. They're coming in very late. It's fine. It's September. The big, massive one. I put them out late, so... Did you? I, I started them late. The big, massive one is, like, halfway red now. I'm so excited. Like, every morning I go I go outside and I talk to it. And I, I tell it how how good it's looking and how 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 I eagerly await him him uh, turning all the way red so I can eat him. Lockdown's been tougher for some people than others, I think. <laughs> it's good to talk to your plants. I was speaking to my friend Steve. Who's a plant? No, he's a human being. Uh, he's he's from Liverpool, though. Yeah, so, so he's know. a plant. Right. Um, <laughs> he was saying that um, Meg's mum, mm-hmm. his mother-in-law, has a raised bed where she um, grows tomatoes. Yes. And what she used to do at the end of the season was tidy the bed up and you know, take mm-hmm. out all the kind of decomposing vines and right. all that sort of stuff. She didn't do that last year. Right. And this year, 
more have grown and they've grown better. Uh-huh. So his advice is leave it alone. Yeah. At the end of the season, just leave it, leave alone. it alone. Yeah. It's self composting. Nature will take care of it. Right. So that's yes. me passing that one. Yes. Of course, we also have our composter in the backyard now, too. In the corner where you can't see it. Is it? Yeah. It's over there behind the tree. Huh? The big coney thing. Oh, yeah, I think I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. you've seen that. Which I essentially got for free <laughs> at this point because I sold so many of those toys that I bought with it. What? I got it at the same auction I bought. I got all those toys with the creepy dolls. Oh. And I've I've already made my money back from that auction, so that composter was essentially free. Winning. Winning. It's a it's a gig economy, I kind of say. I don't know. Um, how have you been? Still watching Lemmy, I see. Yeah, Lemmy is currently on at the moment as we as we speak. Yeah. It's muted though. Yes. He's, he's he's talking over my shoulder. <laughs> yes, he is. Yeah, I I kind of got into that again. I got into Taskmaster again. <gasps> what did you start this week that you swore you would never start again? Oh. <laughs> I'm back on the muck, folks. I'm playing Factorial. <laughs> No, I can't be asked to do this again. And then, like two days later, there you are playing again. Factorio is this kind of um, top-down view of like a productivity factory building uh, process building game where you're an astronaut stranded on this uh, planet. alien planet, and you've got to build a rocket from the resources that are round about you to and also get commit off genocide and kill the inhabitants that. Are there, which are kind of like bugs, cockroaches, and worms and stuff. It's still genocide. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it starts off very simple, and it gets very complex as you go on and, and stuff. And Correct. I've completed it. I don't know how many times. The Steam uh, application tells me that I've played it for over seventeen hundred hours, <laughs> which I, I don't disagree with. <laughs> but it's been an early release since I started playing it. Like. Mm-hmm. Four years ago, five right. years ago, maybe, <clears throat> and it finally went to version one point zero, <laughs> and I downloaded one point zero, and I started to play it for like five minutes. I, thought, I can't be bothered doing this. Mm-hmm. I said, "That's me. I'm done." And I posted on Facebook, "That's me done with Factorio." And on Twitter, you were very serious about done it. Done with it now. You posted on two separate platforms that you were done with Factorio. And then the next day, I started playing Factorio again. <laughs> <laughs> Really enjoying this game. <laughs> this this uh, this planet that I'm on at the moment is uh, is an interesting planet to build on. Mm-hmm. Is it different from the other planets? Oh, they're all different. They're uh. all random, basically. No. You control how much resources there are and how far apart they are and stuff like that. So you have to build trains to get bring stuff into your factory and take stuff out and mm-hmm. all that fun stuff. So I've just started making plastics. This is hilarious. <laughs> I'm back on it. What what you do to have fun? It's fun. It's like work, but it's it's fun. Right. <laughs> Nobody's breathing down your neck for productivity reports and stuff. No. As far as it's concerned. No. 
Yeah. So you play Factorio, and I go walk in the woods and talk to vegetables. Another interesting, ha- interesting thing that happened this week was uh, my Timbot 4000 t-shirt arrived. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you bought one for yourself and not for me. That's all right. It's a sample of just to see how it was. I can easily get you one if you want. But when I was going for my walk with Steve, when he was telling mm-hmm. me about the tomatoes, I was wearing my Timbot 4000 t-shirt. Uh-huh. And as we were walking through town, back to back, two cars slowed down and waved at us. Mm-hmm. I was like, do you know who that is? No. Then it happened again. Do you know who that is? Like, no. Neither of us had any idea who these people were. And yeah. I thought... People in this town know who the two of you are, though, because of your accents. I, I wondered if they were maybe... Uh, fans of the podcast <laughs> and just appreciated <laughs> appreciated the t-shirt just no. Cody podcast in the there are lots of people in town who know us that we don't know because they know they know that there's a scottish guy in town named gavin they know there's an english guy in town named steve so i so everybody knows who you are and you know who like maybe a quarter of the people in town are <laughs> it's funny yeah. Shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. Give me some of that multilingual. Is that a word? Yes. Corey News. The Unexplainable Explained. After complaining about the crappy exit she'd been given, we, we did find complain. out. Yeah, we find out this week that Beverly Collard's leaving the show was due to a botched hip surgery that left her unable to walk without assistance. She's current, she currently just had a complete hip replacement surgery, and that seems to be going well. Yikes, still yeah. though. Oofed. We wish her well and a speedy recovery. Yeah, I mean, honestly, everybody should get their hips replaced. My mother had both of her hips replaced, and she was like a new woman. Yeah, yeah. She was unable. She was unable to walk across the house, and now she gets up on a tractor every day and and feeds horses and walks around and runs after a. How old is Tice now? <laughs> Five year old, six year old, something like that. Something like that. You know, so. And they're not even her horses. <clears throat> they are. <laughs> An attempt at humor. Oh, okay. It failed. It failed. It failed miserably, but it, it was did. still an attempt. It did. So you know, it's it's probably for the best. But you know, it was it was horrifying to read about. You know how she had the surgery that, come to find out, she didn't really need to have in the first place, and. Then it was it was botched because it's a kind of surgery that for someone her age, she shouldn't really have it. And it just made everything weaker and everything. And then she was in such horrible pain and, and people were telling her, oh, no, 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 it's fine. Until she got a second opinion. I was a little upset at her, though, because she said something about how she couldn't, you know, how Liz is all high heels and, and cheetah prints and everything. So mm-hmm. she didn't feel like she could do that from a wheelchair and that that seemed a little ableist of her we have a friend who is in a wheelchair and she does um what is burlesque shows so you know you can be sexy from a wheelchair bev that's that's not a reason maybe if she didn't feel comfortable doing it though that's up to her isn't it 
Yeah, but just the way she worded it as if, you know, people in wheelchairs can't wear high heels and, and leopard prints. Was, it, was it how she worded it or was it how the newspaper, that article appeared in, worded it? Well, it was her, a direct quote. So yeah, because newspapers never change people's well, quotes. this is true. Anyway, anyway, I, I just want to say... I'm just pleased People that in wheelchairs can be sexy. I'm just pleased that there was a a reason for her hasty exit rather than the show kind of disrespecting her. her yeah. and, and Kicking her to the curb. Kind of almost glad that it was a reason to that, even yeah. though the, the reason was pretty horrid. It's awful, though, because, you know, she was supposed to be in the next series of uh, I'm a Celebrity. And oh, now that, that seems to be possibly off the table because of all of this. So this has really, really affected her career in a very yeah, negative way. It's big money for being on Celebrity. Yeah, so time to sue that doctor <laughs> for all he's worth. Get Wilson, Bev. Yes. If Corey can't go to the location, the location will come to Corey. Oh. A, a huge storyline that had been due to occur during Easter will now occur closer to Christmas. Due to a ban on location filming, an important scene was scrapped. However, the set wizards of the street have been able to build that location from scratch, and filming has resumed. And I'm not going to say what it is, so because that would be kind of makes a bit of a nothing story. Then no, no, it's it's pretty impressive that they built something from scratch because they couldn't go to the actual location that is impressive and that that shows uh resilience and fortitude and creativity and and i applaud the show for that you know it's every day you read about somebody who you know because of the pandemic can't do what they used to be able to do and have figured out new ways of doing things and innovating and so it was it's kind of a feel-good story to see that they're doing the same thing at Coronation Street. Like a wee Chinese restaurant in town. Oh, yes. Yes. That have built a box in their door for pe- for them to slide the food out to They're you. Totally MacGyvered it. It's yeah. great. It is great. It's it's my favorite. We should get Chinese sometime this week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Mushu pork for the win. Finally. Singapore Chow Mee Fun. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Curry sauce on the side. I don't get curry sauce from there. But you did. No, they mm. don't know what I mean when I say curry sauce. Mm. And I can't explain it. I thought you used to be able to get it. Anyway, finally, it looks like another Cory Blonde may be hitting the ice. Another what? Another Cory Blonde oh. may be hitting the ice. Sally Diviner has begun the auditioning process to join the next cast of oh, no. Dancing on Ice. Following in the skates of Lisa George, who competed on the show last year. So, fingers crossed that Sally gets on the show. She looked she looked very fetching in her, you know, black tights and everything. And her gym bag walking out of the um, auditioning process and everything. There was somebody from EastEnders and a few other people that I don't care about. <laughs> from, like, reality shows and mm-hmm. stuff. Falling on ice. <laughs> Falling on ice. <laughs> Coming this winter. Yes. She also had a really great interview this, this week where she talked about um, how having having the show really helped her when she was going through uh, her breast cancer a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So you should, 
everyone should find that article as well because it was really good. You know, she said the show saved her life because it, it gave her something to go back to. And also it was shortly after they did the Sally breast cancer storyline yeah, on the, Corey the, the, that, they, that, that she found the lump. I seem to remember that. To begin with. Came uh, back to back yeah. pretty much. Yeah, it's like um, been reality stars and, and broadcasters who are on TV that, that people watch and that, you know, people have noticed that they have lumps and stuff that they don't notice themselves on TV and, and, and it saves their lives and stuff. So, you know, sometimes learning about things helps you save your life and, and stuff. Save your own life and stuff. And stuff. And stuff. So and stuff that's important. Stuff. Stuff is important. Is that Corey News? And that's Corey News. Stuff is important. Mailbag. This isn't really a mailbag item, but I found it quite funny that uh, El Mulvaney, who plays uh, Amy on the show, likes her dog. Well, who's who doesn't like our dog? We've got a fantastic dog. I don't like our dog. You love our dog. He's an asshole. Yes, but you love him, and that's why you love him, because you're an asshole too. <laughs> Everyone's an asshole. Well. Everyone is. I'm an asshole, you're an asshole. Everyone has the potential to be an asshole. Is Jesus an asshole? Yeah. Maybe the biggest one, actually. <gasps> no. Joe, he got in touch to say, did you watch Corey when Les Battersby was in it? Indeed I did. That was one of my favourite uh, spells of the show, was mm. the Les Battersby. Uh, when Status Quo played at his wedding was one of the best episodes I remember. Clips of that are on YouTube. Anyway, as a school trip in the 90s, we were taken to the Coronation Street tour in Manchester, <laughs> driving over uh, on the bus from Cumbria. I don't remember much about the trip, sadly, but I do remember buying a lovely handcrafted action figurine, okay, statue of Les Battersby, which at the age of 35 remains one of my most prized possessions. It's like a little... Uh, it is like a little action figure, uh-huh. and it's got layers on the little mm-hmm. base of it. Uh, it's did I put it on? I don't think I did. I didn't. I didn't put it on social media. Anyway, incredible that we got a school trip there, and wish I had appreciated it more at the time. My question for you at Talk of the Street Towers is: If you could have an action man figurine of a current or former Corey character, who would it be? I would like an answer from both Gavin and Helen. Hmm. You go first. I've got two in mind. Me too. You first. Oh, my first one uh, would be Blanche. Oh, Deirdre's mum, because the idea of Blanche, who typically was sitting at a uh, dinner table or dining room table, Mm -hmm. as an action figurine, (laughs) kind of makes me smile. Uh And the second one would be the Adam Ricketts, just for that six pack. Really? Wow. Oh, okay. Who are yours? Abby. An Abby figure. <laughs> so for, she is action. For action beating Jackson. down doors and stuff. Uh-huh. She comes with a uh, little uh, attachable fire extinguisher. Right, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, of course, Eileen. Eileen Smash? Eileen Smash. Does she have an Eileen Smash button? Right, yes, absolutely. She would have an Eileen Smash button. That would work. Yeah, those and are better And she would have, like, tear away. Mine's were shit. You know, tear away, and then like underneath, she'd have like ripped up purple shorts and a purple bra, and like She Hulk. Oh, yeah. I kind of like how Shona was it. And you could put her under cold water, and she'd turn green, like She Hulk. 
I put a lot of thought into this. You did? Eileen Smash. Eileen Smash is the best mm-hmm. smash. It absolutely is. So. And now, this. Welcome. Welcome to last year tonight. My heart really wasn't in this <laughs> for doing this this week. I don't know why. <laughs> Just enough time to quickly talk about falling knives and runaway wives. This was advice from Aggie to Dev following his eviction of Mary. Maybe he threw Mary out. She ended up living in a van. Yeah. What a shit thing to do. No. Well, it's because uh, the kids wanted their own rooms. Which. Which makes sense, because they are teenagers. Yeah. I was Gavin, and you were a purveyor of fine, creepy dolls. You still are. (laughs) I guess I am. Uh, Thanks to John Giovinacci, we went on a lengthy and rather bleak riff on the rather questionable origins of several band names, like Pearl Jam and Joy Division. Oh, and did I talk about, um, what's the name of that band? Why are you making making, uh, wanking motions again? Ah, it's just with a D. Not the Doobie Brothers, but... um. Steely Dan. Yes. We did talk about Steely Dan, yes. yes. Did did I mention the fact that... Yes. Okay. (laughs) Yes, you did. (laughs) Hope starts uh, storing lighters inside her dolly's heads. Tim's dad is now pretending that he isn't sick this week. It's Craig's 21st birthday and he celebrates by not taking his tan card to the Rovers. Jan and Eileen contemplate disappearing on the witness protection programme, and at this point I couldn't be bothered listening to more of our year-old episode of you and me speaking to each other about Coronation Street. Moment of the week was something oh. that exploded, and boring moment of the week was someone complaining about something exploding. And that was Coronation Street and the talk of the street this time and, last and, year. And yet you've been watching John Oliver episodes from 2015. Yeah. About news that is no longer relevant. What has been uh, useful from that though is watching episodes when Obama was president and he complains about Obama not as much as he complains about Trump but he still mm. complains about Obama yeah and Obama policies yes he's just punching up as all he's right. doing and yeah and he was doing that in 2015 and 2016 yeah this is this is what I always say there's not one president there's not one president we've ever had who was perfect no or didn't do shitty things to people that had no recourse whatsoever right even lincoln was a shitty person sometimes that's all for our other podcast shitty presidents called shitty presidents (laughs) coming soon (laughs) i'm almost tempted to to do that yeah I almost want to do a shitty president. <laughs> Just go through each president and explain why they were shitty. Yeah. From the start. We could do that. We it's could limited. totally do that. Well, yeah. 45 it be, episodes. It would be 45 episodes. Well, it wouldn't even be 45 episodes. Grover Cleveland. I would have to do two in Grover Cleveland. He was 22 and 24, I think. Right. We? Would we have to do two episodes about Grover Cleveland? Really? What, in this made-up podcast that we're not going to do? Sure. <laughs> Shall we dive in, my dear? Yes, please. Let's start. 
with uh, our second story, because our first story is the last one. Mm. Oh, no, it isn't. Our first storyline this morning, Scott Free. On Monday, oh. Johnny admits that he thought Scott was there for an explanation of what happened 30 years ago, mm-hmm. some 30 years ago. Scott says a thought had crossed his mind. Johnny says he wanted to own up after Scott got arrested, but just couldn't. Still keeping us vague. and Right, they're keeping it f- infuriatingly vague still. <laughs> he was too scared. Scott says the meeting was a fluke and he's not here for revenge. If the situation had been reversed, Scott says he would have done the same thing. What hurt is that Johnny cut him loose after that, but it feels better being back together. Do you, do you believe that? No. That it's a fluke? That it was just by uh, happy accident that he happened to be staying there for work? I can believe that. I I choose not to believe that he's not after revenge now, though. That doesn't that doesn't seem like a really interesting storyline. This this is not an interesting storyline right now. It's still because they're keeping it so vague and so close to the chest. It's kind of like the the Jade thing that she just so happened to be working in Birmingham and Fizz just so happened to wander in. So Scott just so happened to right book a hotel, right. or, not a hotel, a B&B room, right. What really bums me out is that we thought we were going to have a Scott and Liz romance, and now we will not. That will not be happening. That makes me sad. Johnny agrees and then asks if he ever thinks about that poor security guard. You know, just giving us little, just little tidbits of information. Little tidbits. Not enough. So I presume this is a, a robbery that's gone wrong or mm-hmm. a, bank rob- a bank job, maybe. Mm. Scott says it's all in the past. Later, they broke out of a... Uh, psych ward or something. Together. <laughs> I don't sure. know. And had to kill a security guard to get out, like in that movie. Terminator 2. Oh, yeah. Cornish Street is very much the Terminator, Terminator 2 of, of soap operas. Soap operas. Yep. Later. James Cameron directed this week's episodes. <laughs> what the, I'm trying to imagine that. What's James, Arnold Schwarzenegger doing <laughs> Coronation Street? James Cameron. Why is everyone blue? <laughs> Plugging themselves into animals. That's, that's kind of horrid, isn't it? Uh, and then they all die on the Titanic. <laughs> Have we covered all of James Cameron now? I think so. <laughs> Dances with Smurfs. <laughs> That's a good movie. Uh, Dances with Smurfs? I'd enjoyed Dances with Smurfs. I went to see it twice in the movies. And it's a long movie. It sat through once, never mind twice, so that kind of says something. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I saw it at a very young age. Can't be that young. How old were you when Dances with Wolves came out? Dances with Smurfs. Avatar. Oh, Avatar. I haven't seen Avatar. That's good. I've seen Dancing with Wolves. I haven't seen that. That's four hours long. Who's got time for that? I saw it in the theatre with my parents and I was quite young. Dear God, they took you to see that? They took you to see a four-hour movie? They hated you? <laughs> they hated you that much? We were walking through a mall and, my, and there was a movie theatre there. And my dad said, hey, let's go see a movie. And it was really the only thing playing. That's going to take half the day. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? Uh, this is how my family used to go see movies. We just... It would it happened quite randomly. Later. 
Jenny comes in and is happy to see the two of them enjoying a whiskey together. Jerry? Jenny. Okay, it sounded like you said Jerry. Scott asks if Jenny has a single identical twin, and this is a, this is smooth enough for Jenny to invite Scott for dinner. Johnny doesn't seem to be too keen on this idea, and he tries to piss on it, but Scott would love to. It'll give him a chance to fill her in on Johnny's checkered past, and Johnny shits a brick, and Scott appears to be enjoying this a little bit too much. And Jenny titters. Scott describes them both as being two men in a van back in the day. They chat about a window cleaning business that they had and the scrapes they used to get into. Scott makes a joke that it was really a front for casing the joint. And again, Johnny's undies are beshitted. Hmm. After dinner, Scott is left and Jenny still isn't all that happy with Johnny. Carl is in and wonders why Johnny looks so down after spending time with his mate. Some mates are better forgotten, says Johnny. And Carl agrees. She has no desire to relive her youth. And that was it. Hmm. So they kind of teased us with us on Monday and didn't give us anything else for the rest of the week. Yeah, that's... Mm. They're being very slow with the storyline and it's... it's Some storylines, y- you want to be slow. Some storylines are so slow, you just you end up not caring. Yeah, you kind of lose interest a little bit. I don't think this has been helped by yeah. the pause from right. the virus hasn't really helped us in any way no but it's not exactly high octane stuff no this would not make it into a james cameron movie <laughs> <laughs> let's move on uh, i mean james cameron can't even <laughs> get get um avatar 2 made in 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 quick time let alone an episode of coronation street that movie was supposed to come out like two years ago. He keeps pushing it back. It- Remember when they were going to build like an Avatar wing of, of Disney World? <laughs> and then they didn't because nobody wants that? I think we need to stop talking about James Cameron now. Okay. And start talking instead <laughs> about our Weatherfield cycle. And Michael Bay. <laughs> and McGee. <laughs> On Monday, so Daniel has hightailed it back to the law office after the kerfuffle that happened at the end right, of last week. Right, after the shoe throwing mm-hmm. and not a, a shitty president. Right, and begs Adam to go down to the station to represent Nikki on a potential assault charge. Daniel kind of but not really explains what happened in his relationship. He calls them just mates. Mm-hmm. Despite being pissed that Daniel hasn't brought his lunch, Adam agrees. So later, Adam is now leaving the police station when Pete... A lawyer friend of his stops him, and they quickly catch up, and Adam tells Pete who he was there to represent, but she's already been let go. It was a Nicky Wheatley, and Pete knows her well. He's represented her a couple of times. Don't you know? She's a prosy, says the lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So a raging Nicky goes round to yell at Daniel and tell him to stay away from her. Daniel's surprised that she got out without Adam's help. Who the hell does he think he is, she says. He says he didn't like the way that Baz was speaking to her. It's not your job, Daniel. Nikki points out that she can take care of herself, thank you very much. She doesn't need a white knight. He's the most unfeminist feminist I've ever seen. (laughs) Yeah, he is. like one of those really fake feminist guys who who only do it to get into women's pants. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She doesn't need a white knight, but what she does need is this job, and it's not up to him what she decides to put up with. She goes to leave, but for some reason stops in her tracks when he says that he misses her. 
before he met her, he couldn't get out of bed. It's nice to pretend that, that she's Sinead. It's not the same with anyone else, and he genuinely likes her, and he trusts her. She tells him to get help, and he says that he did on that grief retreat, but it hasn't stopped him from missing Sinead. It's an ache that only goes away when Nikki is around. And then Tracy lands in with Bertie. Mm-hmm. Who the fuck's this? And he calls <laughs> Nikki a friend from uni. Tracy doesn't meet many of Daniel's friends. And I wonder why. And... And Tracy hasn't talked to anyone who's not a, a member of her family for a month now. And yet lots of other people on the street have talked to other people who aren't members of their family. Well, she's Has had she not to, talked to Mary at all? She's had to uh, quarantine herself because of her uh, replacement kidney. She says that. Yeah. No, and I get that. But then why is she walking around with a baby? Because it's over now. Isn't it? Right. Well, yeah, but then she then why is she not talking to other people? Well, she has now, but she hasn't been. Yeah. Uh, well, she acts like, you know, this is the first person who's not a member of her family that she has seen. Wait, where did she get a replacement kidney? Wasn't it Carla who gave a replacement kidney to somebody to No. No, no. Carla got a replacement kidney. That's uh-huh. Carla, not Tracy. When did Tracy, Tracy get one too? Years ago. Wait. So there are two people walking around the street with replacement kidneys? Tracy, what is wrong with, like, the water? Tracy took uh, an overdose of E, and her kidney failed, and she got a replacement from Deirdre's, her mother, boyfriend, who then died on the table. operating table. Nice. I think I'm right in that. Before my time. Yeah, it, it, it happened when I wasn't watching the show either. But mm. I think I'm right. And yet Carla also has a replacement kidney and she doesn't seem to be quarantining at all. No, she was just... She was like... Cutting around like nothing happened. So Nikki wants to leave, but Tracy won't hear a word of it. Oh, fuck my life, says Nikki. So Tracy tries to quiz Nikki on her studies and then comes to the conclusion that Nikki and Daniel are an item. They insist not. And then Bertie shits himself, so Daniel has to go change him. And Nikki wants to leave again, but Tracy tells her to stay. In private, Tracy explains that Daniel has been low for a while, but been better recently. And she puts that down to Nikki's influence. Then Adam if comes in. If she only knew. Mm-hmm. Then Adam comes in, ah, he says, and Nikki now looks like she's ready to launch herself out of a window. Tracy tries to introduce them to each other, but Adam points out that they've already met. Nikki is like a bullet to the door and leaves without saying bye to Daniel. So Daniel comes in and is shocked to learn that she's gone and he chases after her like a proper psycho. When can I see you again? He shouts at her on the street. Never! Never, she says. And again, she advises him to get some help. So later, Tracy's left now and Adam tells Daniel that he's learned quite a lot about Nikki today. He doesn't know how to tell Daniel this, but Nikki is a prostitute. Sex worker, corrects Daniel, who's now a feminist again. Right, yeah. Strange choice. And he's not wrong. What what is with these lawyers like saying prosy and prostitute instead of sex worker? I, I guess I can, well, not forgive Adam, but excuse Adam, because he's Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> Strange choice of girlfriend says Adam. Not a girlfriend, says Daniel. A client, then, says Adam. Not and, a robot. And Daniel denies this, and when pressed further, tells Adam to mind his own beeswax. On Wednesday, Adam bumps into Daniel on the street and checks up on him. Adam is just worried. Daniel tells him it's none of his business again and he has to go shopping. <laughs> and after he's shopping, he bumps into Ray Weinstein, who advises Daniel to be careful with who he fraternises with. What like you? asks Daniel. 
Burn. Burn. <laughs> and then immediately gets on the phone Ray to Mickey. Ray Weinstein has shaved. Yeah. I don't like him clean shaven. He needs to grow that beard back. Uh, and then he immediately gets on the phone to Nikki to apologise and tell her that he's worried about her for some reason. He wants to make it up to her and asks her to come to the flat just as mates. Mates? She seems to agree. Hmm. Adam drops in on Daniel with some beers, but Daniel has already sorted for that. Thanks very much. He's waiting on Nikki to turn up. And Adam thinks that he's taking, that she's taking him for a ride. Daniel says he doesn't understand. Try me, says Adam. <laughs> and then he explains about the clothes. So on Friday, Daniel explains what Nikki's been doing for him. Dressing up as Sinead and wearing her perfume and stuff. Why not get a real girlfriend, asks Adam. A real girlfriend might take exception to wearing his dead wife's clothes. He got carried away, but now it's going to be fine. They've agreed just to be friends. Adam has left Daniel and sees Nikki arriving. He tells her that she's taken advantage of him. She says that she's just listening to him. While wearing his dead wife's clothes, asks Adam. And if she really cares about Daniel, she'll walk away. Make it worth my while, says Nikki. And Adam reaches for his wallet. He also calls her a tart with a heart, which, again... I'll quit with a tart with yeah. a heart routine. Yeah. yeah. Classy. For, for some reason, Adam returns to Daniel's to continue the argument. Oh, Nicky's not showed up, says Adam, and he criticises Daniel for the whole cardigan thing, and quite rightly. Daniel regrets telling Adam about that and tells him to leave. Quite rightly. So Adam leaves, and Daniel is furious. And that's as far as we get with that this week. So, Adam <clears> has <throat> paid Nicky off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've not seen the last of her, though, I don't think. No. No. And I kind of see where this is where i assume this is going to go and i think i disapprove mm-hmm. because i think i think the two of them were going to get together properly mm-hmm. i'd rather that didn't happen yeah because it kind of it kind of validates daniel's behavior up till now which is creepy be, AF. been very 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 creepy and inappropriate and everybody's going to notice how much she looks like Sinead and everybody's going to be, even if they don't know about the whole clothes thing, they're going to be like, wow, this is kind of creepy. <laughs> and also you just know that he's going to try to get her to, if if they get into a relationship, he's going to try to get her to quit her job right. and do something else. Mm-hmm. And that's just not a storyline I need to see. <laughs> I don't see a way that this goes well. Mm-mm. No, because he already doesn't want her to see other people, and that's her job. Her job is meeting people, certainly. Yeah, and then and knowing them in a biblical way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so yes, dear. so he's going to try and clean her up, Ugh. for want of a better expression. Ugh. Yeah, we already have um, pretty woman. And Pygmalion and the Bible. We don't need another, you know, good guy cleans up whore mm-hmm. story. No. No. Moving on then. Two Jesus references tonight. Today. Lots of Jesus today. All coming from you. <laughs> Our next storyline this morning is On Your Todd. On Monday, Sean is around seeing Billy, who has been doing some investigating of his own and has discovered that a man found in the, the canal was in his 50s and so wasn't Todd. Mm-mm. 
What a relief, says Sean, as Billy gets his own notification. Sean leaves and then we see a post saying that another body has been found in the no, canal. Oh, was I, it the same one? No, I think it's the same one. It's just more description. Because he was reading it when Sean was still there. And he's like, no, he's in his 50s. And then he kind of stops abruptly. And Sean's like, what? What is it? And he's like, oh, nothing. The man in the canal was in a security uniform. Mm. And for whatever reason, Billy doesn't want Sean to find out. Now. So it's Cal. I. Well done. Or Billy thinks Kel. it's Cal. Cal. Yeah, Cal is Benny's friend down the street. Mm-hmm. Um, He's not in his 50s. At no. least I hope not. <laughs> I've got a very inappropriate relationship. It would be really sad if a man in his 50s was still a freshman in high school. Steve Buscemi. <laughs> Greetings. Fellow kids. No, uh... Chris, yes, that one uh, posited that theory to me mm-hmm. during our Words with Friends game this week. And that hadn't crossed my mind. No. Did it, but it crossed yours, clearly. Well, it did win a security card. So mm-hmm. I still like the theory that Gary dug a brick the chin and dumped him in the canal. Maybe he stole a security guard's uniform and put it on the dead body put this to like, throw people off. Right. Oh, you love to see it. That's, a, that's an awful lot of bother to go to, too. Yes, but this is Gary we're talking about. He bothers a lot. And I'm not sure if I like the fact that... Well, it's not a fact yet, mm. but if it is Kale, is that a satisfying conclusion to his no, story? No, because that's not him getting his just desserts. No. But it does close that story off, and they, they do seem to have lost interest in it. Yeah. And Paul's moved on and doesn't seem to be... It's not consuming him anymore now mm. that Kel's not around. Yes, but will it consume him again when he finds out that he's, he died without getting his comeuppance? And will that, especially with this whole Todd thing with Billy, will that drive a wedge into their relationship? Well... I hope not, because that's like... It is. One of the best relationships on the street, and... You know, they're so cute together. And I want to continue to see that. Mm. But of course, that's we're not allowed to be happy on this show. No, we're already throwing uh, spanners in the works for Abby and Kev. With Debbie turning up. Right, and, and Sally and Tim. Right. Hmm. And Johnny and Jenny, who we don't really care about that much. God, no. <laughs> But, I mean, these are all people who've been through a lot already. Hmm. Fizz and Tyrone seem quite tight at the moment. Yeah. So that's uh, good. So that's, that's good. That's and then, thing. Uh, Chess and Gemma, I guess. <laughs> I'd also quite like an Evelyn action figure. Now that I think about it. With with, with a Cerberus accessory. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Accessory, yeah. yeah. <sighs> if you it is... a little clothes for Cerberus. If it is Kale, then I, I think this does spell some, mm-hmm. some uh, bad times ahead for Paul and Billy. Mm. On Wednesday, Mary is power walking when she sees Sean in the street. Nothing beats a brisk trump, she says. <laughs> He'll remember that the next time he gets lucky, he says. I'd like to briskly beat Trump. Now, now, remember. That's for our shitty president's <laughs> podcast. She does her best to cheer that would be a long episode she does her best (laughs) 
She does her best to cheer. She does her best to cheer Sean up, but he's really down in the dumps as he heads off for his shift at the factory. Then Mary, who doesn't work at the factory, turns up at the factory and scares the bejesus out of Sean, who calls her a ninja in a cardigan. She catches him looking at those many homeless forums on his phone. She's brought him lunch, and it's enough for both of them. So on Friday after lunch, Sean reveals how one is. And it includes week. wine. Mm-hmm. Or is it dinner? It's because no, it's he, isn't he working like a late shift? Like a third shift? I thought it was He's lunch. all by himself? I don't think that. In the factory? I don't think that factory works 24 hours. Well, no, but he had to make up time and he was going to be all by himself. So if it was lunch, he wouldn't be all by himself. Yeah. So he reveals how worried he is about Todd. Uh, not for himself, but for Eileen. Todd is clever and resourceful and all that, but he's still a risk taker. And what happens if one of those risks has backfired? Hmm. And that's as far as we get with that. <sighs> Sean does seem overly concerned about this. He he really does. And it's starting to make me think. I wonder if it's if it was meant to be Sean who's worried, or if it was somebody else that isn't available. Like Eileen, herself. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he and Eileen are good friends, and Eileen has done a lot for him over the years. Oh, sure. So I kind of get that. And, you know, Billy still means a lot to him as well, and he doesn't want Billy to be hurt. But he's so upset about this. Because the entire week, he's like consumed by it. Right, yeah. It doesn't... And he also makes reference to his own time, you know, kind of disappearing and falling off the radar and stuff. So, you know... That has something to do with it as well. But yeah, it does seem kind of weird. Like he and Todd never had a thing. Billy had a thing with Todd. I can't remember if he did or not. Hmm. Maybe he has. Maybe he had a crush on him. And has unrequited feelings still. Maybe. Who knows? Moving on. Moving on. Peter loves a meeting. Yeah, he does. Oh, there's nothing like a meeting for Peter. He just loves them. Can't really get enough does. of them. He really does. So Monday, he successfully managed to drag Abby along to uh, his precious fucking meeting. Mm-hmm. And he's keen to get her to commit to going to another one. <sighs> his sales pitch is interrupted by Debbie. He makes his excuses and leaves. And Debbie passively, aggressively quizzes Abby on this walk. Abby says she likes to keep fit, which Debbie doesn't really buy, and then says Debbie should be exercising too. It's important at her age. Burn. And that didn't go down well. No. So Abby is really doing absolutely nothing to uh, get Debbie on her side here. No. Well, she doesn't feel like she needs to. She should have the self-awareness, though, that every time that Debbie comes along, she seems to be in cahoots with Peter about something, which is kind of suspicious behaviour. Yeah. She wanted to walk on her own, and when Debbie sees her, she's walking with Peter. No. Yeah. But she doesn't want anybody to know she's going to meetings. Because unlike Peter... Abby doesn't really care for meetings, I don't think. (laughs) She's not trying to... Although, you know... Peter, on the other hand... He loves a meeting. Loves a meeting. Full of the meetings. Mm Mm-hmm. Another white night. Something, Something in the Barlow clan, I guess. Being white knights. 
Yeah, and I kind of, the more I think about this, the more I'm on Carla's side about it. Mm. This isn't Peter's It's not fight. Peter's job. It's not his job. No. It's up to Abby. Right. If she tells Kev, fine. And that's what any, you know, sensible member of AA would, would tell him about this. It's like, it's not your monkey. Not your circus. Right. And even if Abby does end up back on the muck. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's up to her right. to make a decision to yeah. come off it or, right. or whatever. He's being codependent. and he, He's making all... that. He's making that happen. Right. It's, it you know, which he tried to do, in fairness, with Yasmin as well. So even if it's somebody who ha- he hasn't gotten his hole off, he's just really excited to find other addicts on the street that he can help. Mm-hmm. It's all about the helping. He has a codependency problem. Mm -hmm. And let's remember, one of the main reasons why he and Carla got back together is because she needed help. Right. He was white-knighting it. You know, even even before she went, she had her mental breakdown, you know, when they had that New Year's Eve scene together in that... um, billiards hall that he decided not to buy in the end you know and he wanted to get back together and she said there's no real reason to get back together and you're just trying to white knight it you know carla had his number from the very beginning Mm -hmm. which is why it confuses me why she wanted to get back to why she finally broke down and got back together with him i I like the two of them together i think that they they I think they work. They have their moments, like when, like when, um, they were taking care of Birdie, and and Peter said, "Do you ever?" And she's like, "No." <laughs> like I, I, I like it when they're kind of being sassy with one another and everything. And I just think Carla is a great character all on her own. So, no matter who she's in a scene with, it's going to be good. Right. I just feel like. At least one of them is in this relationship for the wrong reasons. Oh. Another person with problems of their own is Shona. Like, before I watched this scene, there were, like, all these articles, like, shocking, topless scene and all this other stuff. She's still wearing a bra. I've watched British television. I know that British television can be... A lot more skin flashy than this. This is not... It can be fruity, but not at 7.30 or no. This is a soap opera. It should always be fruity. American soap operas are fruity at like 11 o'clock in the, you know, in That's the day. Nonsense. There's no nipples in, in American soap operas. Days of Our Lives? Not a chance. Young and the Restless? Not a chance. It's a lot more sexy than... You don't see anything. And you would never see anything before like nine o'clock on British TV. Hmm. It's hard to happen after it. It took me by surprise. I wasn't expecting that. But maybe let's go anyway, through it. Yeah, let's let's talk about it. So on Wednesday, Daniel isn't in the storyline. No, it's David. It's David. It's and another he's in short man. Roy's Rolls getting a coffee from Nina and checking in on Shona, who Nina says always seems better after she's spoken with David. Oh. This takes him by surprise a little bit. And at this, Shona comes down to get some drinks. She tells David that Aaron thinks that things are going to go 
things are going well, and she and David arrange to go for a walk together later. Shona thinks David has a cute little bum, which Nina admits to not noticing. No. Later, Nina quizzes <laughs> uh, Shona gently about her feelings for David. She thinks she feels safe around him, and Nina thinks it's obvious that he's crazy about her, how he hangs around uh, Roy's rolls like a fart. Shona thinks this means that he smells, but then is appeased when Nina puts her right. So at Maxine's bench, Shona takes a swig of some soda and lets out a beastly belch. And yeah, she, she tells does. David what Nina said about how he likes her. And he's happy to admit that. She asks if he wants to get his hole off of her. One day, says David, when things are back to normal. Fuck that, says Shona. Let's do it now. And she starts to undress. Bloody hell, not even having a decency to keep it for the, the metaphorical community garden. Seriously. Jenny walks along and polices the situation, leaving Shona worried that she's done something wrong again. On Friday, David tries to explain that getting your hole in public isn't really the, the done thing, and Shona seems to have trouble understanding. She doesn't know what normal behaviour is. What if she never gets better? And David assures her that she's getting better every day, and they both head off to pick up Lily. And later there's a lovely wee scene as Sarah talks to David as he's doing the dishes and they chat about Shona and her recovery and Sarah thinks David is better than most blokes for sticking by his wife. Yes. That's as far as we get with that one. Mm-hmm. So this... This behaviour from Shona is a little odd. A little odd? Well... Very odd. She's had... She's right. She has no idea... About social mores anymore, and what is, is that acceptable? something that you forget about? Yes. Why wouldn't you? It doesn't seem. However, at this point in her recovery, I, I if this sort of thing had happened months ago, like that time when she tried to get her hole off of David in Roy's apartment, um, and he said, "No, no, we're not, we're not there yet," and stuff. If that scene had happened at the bench months ago, I think it would have made more sense than many, many more months into her recovery where she has this social worker who still comes and, and you know, and takes care of her and, and talks to her and stuff. And, and she's out of the hospital, you know, she's out of the hospital and everything and on her way. You'd think one of the first lessons would have been when is an acceptable time to take your clothes off and how we don't take our clothes off in public. We don't have sex in public. I don't know how that would have come up, but still, it, this seems like at at this point, I don't know. I, this, is a, this is a tough storyline. You have always had a problem with this storyline. Absolutely, I, I didn't. You like, hate the new Shona. Yeah, I, I don't like what they've made her. I, I think she's done a great job of uh, portraying it, mm-hmm. um, but it's not something that I've ever really cared for. And this seems to be a strange set of things that she's no longer familiar with. Mm. Like she doesn't remember David, and she doesn't remember to not have sex in public. It's like, does she remember to look both ways before she crosses the road? Probably not. Does she remember? But that doesn't make an interesting does she remember? Does she remember how you climb a flight of stairs? I just, I don't know. And, I, just, I just don't think I'd buy it. And also, it feels like 
It feels like it's also kind of being played for laughs a little. Like, haha, look at her, taking her clothes off on the bench. I don't, death. It it seems like I, I I was shocked by that. That you know because because this is the second time now that she's taken her top off, and tried to have sex with David, inappropriately. You know the first time was at Roy's, and and this is a, this is the second time. It feels like if we're going to do the storyline right, then maybe let's have her do something else that's inappropriate. That doesn't involve taking her clothes off. You know what I'm saying? It just it just feels like this is because this is the second time it's happened and the first time was indoors. You know? And he does say when she says, Do you want to have sex with me? He says, Well, yeah, but not right now, you know, eventually. And she takes that as a reason to start taking her clothes off outside. Ah. So, so in the past, she's uh, she's been rude to Nina. She's been rude to a lot of people. She's, she's rude and abrupt. Been rude and abrupt to uh, Roy, mm-hmm. and kind of laughed when he told her about Haley's death. Mm-hmm. She grabbed a yeah. a tray out of the oven without oven gloves on. Right. She forgot that things get hot. And she keeps taking her clothes off. And being inappropriate about sexual things. And she belched unapologetically. I guess. I don't know. I, you know, it, it feels like this, it feels like there are better ways to do this. And I hope they find a better way. This has all been done so that she could have a baby in real life. That's, that's how this is all wound up. Mm. She's had her baby. Can we not just put her back to normal now? Well, there was an opportunity here to to have her. You know, she wasn't in it for a while. We had this time jump that I didn't notice one little bit of. <laughs> She could ha- they could have her at least partially recovered. Yeah. And I, I don't know that she's and, made all that much progress. And, and again, Apparently she has, but... And, and again, you know, if she's made all this progress, then maybe this is not something that we show... You know, this is... She should be further along than this. And, and maybe we... Maybe we show her growth and, and her frustrations and stuff in ways that don't involve her taking off her clothes. Agreed. Is what I'm saying. Let's do that. Yes. Our penultimate storyline today is Dev's woes. Oh, we get, we get, I'm so happy. I just love Dev with a beard. It's, <laughs> I, I, I really it do. It really works. Oh, well. I like beards. Don't you have a little twinkle in your eye there. I like your beard. On Wednesday, Asha and, and I love yours. <laughs> On Wednesday, Asha and Addy 2.0 are arguing about chargers. Dev is quick to shout them down. He has a headache. They ask what's wrong and he claims that he's double booked himself for a shift at the kebab shop and the corner shop and everyone else has time off. Asha offers to help out at the kebab shop, but it seems that something else is bothering Dev. Something financial is bothering him. Well, yes. 
So Asha is in the kebab shop and has given ITV Corey a free kebab. He apologises again for the video thing and she seems more in the mood to blame Kelly for that. And when he says that he's glad that they can still be mates, she says that she hopes that they can be a little bit more than just mates. So, Ugh. so ITV Corey and Asha arrange to meet at Speed Dial later. Which will happen in a different storyline. Yes. On Friday... Cathy turns up at Dev's to complain about a drop in her hours and the opposite for both Bernie and Gemma and Dev points it well. Gemma's raising no, quads. Chesney. Chesney. Gemma's not working still. Right. Cathy says that she's been a model employee and has never taken a sickie. She needs this job. She and Brian aren't exactly rolling in cash either. Dev is sorry. Well, and start popping the, out babies then, Cath. <laughs> blames the economy. There's nothing he can do right now. And a very upset Cathy then buys two tins of yellow-labelled beans. That was quite heartbreaking. Yeah. I really don't like seeing Cathy upset. No, me neither. Although I am glad to see the show acknowledging that this is not great. And this is not a great time for small business people and, and building awareness of what small businesses are are going through these days thanks to thanks to the pandemic mm-hmm. and everything and you know i mean we just found out this week that another restaurant that we were quite fond of is is just shut forever and i guess to be fair quite fond of isn't really cuz we we didn't go and eat there we, we quite loved a it lot. but we loved it, we loved like it, but it was four times maybe. It was overpriced. You went more just to buy rashers off of them. Yeah, they they sold proper bacon and they sold uh, bangers. And that's the only you know, and it was and more I went for in a that. Few times to get that. Yeah, it was more for that than to sit down and eat. But it was far away. Well, and overpriced. But it was the only place where you could get proper what, what they called a, an Irish breakfast. The real is a just a proper cooked yeah, a full breakfast, breakfast right? um, with black pudding mm-hmm. and that was the skimpiest little bit of black pudding yeah. but it was delicious but white pudding fried egg bacon beans beans and bangers oh, so good so good but they wanted like 15 bucks for that and while you can you can pay that once in a while you're not going to go every day no. you're not going to go every week but no. they but they shut down and it was Really, the only restaurant that's like that round about here, because everything's either Mexican or Chinese or Italian. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't really much in the way of. Yeah, because our Scot- our little Scottish Irish in inverted commas food. Yeah, because our little Scottish bakery down by Detroit is now going just completely. Um. Pick up or or shipped. Yeah, they're not going to have a walk-in store anymore. Yeah. Which I think, I think I'm taking that as a good sign. I think they've figured out that they can make more money and be more efficient to not have to have a storefront. Yeah. It was always kind of nice just to walk in, though, and see what they had. And, and that's it. When you phone them up and you tell them what they want, there's no impulse buying. No. There's no, oh, they've got... Uh, oh, these look really fresh. Or whatever. These, look, these pies look really fresh and, and good today. I'll have a couple of those. Mm-hmm. You know, but anyway, um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm glad, so I'm glad that they're, you know, that they're putting this in, 
that there that there's more acknowledgement of how things are different now you know yeah it's impacting the the things that are impacting characters aren't just the things that are happening within a, a mile radius of Coronation Street, there are right. big, there are bigger factors at play, and correct. And this, this, I think this is the best way of acknowledging it, absolutely, r- rather than having them standing two meters apart from each other or 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 mentioning it or intermittently wearing a mask. Right, seen Kathy really becoming quite desperate for 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 money. Right, and that makes me wonder because they do own the cabin now. Is the cabin not doing well? Because it's really... Yeah, Brian bought that, didn't he? Yeah. But they, they still have to, I think... I think the bank owns it, so they're having to pay back the bank. Oh, is it mortgaged? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So they have to sit, they still are making payments on that. And, you know, really only one person can be in there buying something at a time because it's toty. And it's a paper and sweet shop. How much money can that honestly make? Yeah. Well, I guess news agents exist and you do. They must make a living, I guess. But Most people get their news off the internet these days. During this, why would you ever go into the cabin? Candy. And to like buy books and stuff, not, not newspapers and stuff. A lot of newspapers, like our local... Um, free flashes they went completely online for a period of time because they didn't want to have people reaching into those little boxes and and pulling out papers you know and touching handles and stuff um but yeah like the candies and the sweets and the cds and birthday cards I would never set foot in that place. No, because you don't like sweets. I would never go in it. And so therefore I can't see why anybody else would. Our final storyline today is Tim's fucking dad. (sighs) On Monday, Tim's dad shows up for work. Alia points out that they had an agreement to work separate shifts, but Tim's dad has taken it upon himself to go back to full time. Aya needs to put all this behind her and Ryan can sling his hook because he's surplus to requirements now. Yeah, it's This like, is a theme that kind of goes through this, is that Tim, Tim's dad, who, as we will learn, has by proxy Yasmin's vote. And I don't understand how that... Because... Yasmin's not in a coma. She's not incapacitated. She has all of the wherewithal of her brain. So power of attorney, even if you even if somebody assigns something saying that at some point you have power of attorney over their stuff, there still needs to be something saying, okay, this person is no longer capable of taking care of this stuff, so now I have power of attorney. It's not just say so. So uh, the fact that when he said that, we don't see Alia checking up with Imran saying, is this right? Because 
it's not. And that would mean he only owns 25%. And then Yasmin owns 25%. And Alia owns 50%. So she has a higher vote. Mm -hmm. And also, when you own something with other people, you can't just make decisions without, you know, the agreement of everyone. This is kind of what gets me is that... Alia could very easily just call... Uh, right. people and say no we're not doing this so cancel that order uh, right. the way that he does you know all of these things to her I, this storyline really frustrated me and <laughs> upset me this week Timbot4000 says this does not compute agreed agreed Timbot uh, you have a higher understanding of the law than Alia does I think it's more Timbot's got something else to say in the matter. Oh. I am Timbot4000. Tim's fucking dad can go and fling shite at himself. Well, yes, that too. Like, yes. Yes. Anything else? No game show music, Tim? No? Timbot? No? Timbot4000 says shit just got interesting. Well, no, maybe not, not. Not really. Anyway, Alia knows that Tim's dad is just doing this to wind it up. Tim's dad wants a quick business meeting. He's been looking at the accounts and it's not looking good, he says. He wants to save money by getting cheaper ingredients than by selling booze. And Alia is no for that. No booze. Alia says, leave the decisions to me or fuck off. And as soon as she's gone, Tim's dad is on the phone to a supplier. Yeah, or to a license, you know, to get the license. He hasn't even gotten the license. You know, he calls for the license. It hasn't been approved yet. And then later on, he's going to buy... Lots and lots of alcohol that's just going to be sitting around. Uh, yeah, and I don't, I don't understand how through all of this, nobody says to Tim's fucking dad, look, this is, this is a cultural thing. This is a religious thing. You know, this is the reason why she doesn't want to sell alcohol. Oh, he knows because that. Because she doesn't drink alcohol because it's against her religion. So doing this is not just being an asshole. It's being culturally and racially and religiously insensitive. He's ab absolutely aware of that. Yeah. But all of these other sensible people who, when he says these things, you know, nobody else is saying to him, well, you're being really culturally insensitive. I, I I don't I don't understand why that does not come up later on in stuff we are just about ready to talk about. Later at close of business, Tim's dad reflects on a successful day. Not only has he switched suppliers, but he's got a booze license too. Alia is outraged. Well, he's applied for a booze but license. Tim's dad points out that he and Yasmin owe fifty percent, and he has power of attorney, so can vote on Yasmin's behalf. Alia refuses to let Tim's dad win. Yeah, your grand felt the same way until I did something about it says Tim's dad. On Wednesday, Ryan is helping Alia open up early in the morning. I wonder how much early morning trade a Pakistani street food restaurant does. Right, well, they need to do prep. Prep, I guess, yep. Alia is off to see Yasmin today. Then she notices that the bar area is full of cases of wine and beer, and Alia is now reaching breaking point. 
Tim and Sally get home and obviously Tim's fucking dad is there to see them out the car. Sally wastes no time getting in the house and doesn't acknowledge Tim's dad. Tim asks Tim's dad how things have been going and Tim's dad says it's a struggle at work. Tim is amazed that Tim's dad hasn't quit by now, but Tim's dad will not be walked over and he asks Tim to help him fix his hoover, which Tim, somewhat reluctantly, agrees to do. He broke his hoover. Yeah, we remember. It was kind of hilarious. At home, Tim thinks it looks like someone's kicked fuck out of the hoover. They talk about speed dial again and Tim's dad is an owner and he shouldn't have to walk away and then he starts on Sally bad-mouthing him and Tim has heard enough and leaves. Buy a new hoover, he says. Sally and Cathy bump into each other in the corner shop and swap stories about Tim's dad. Tim's dad or not, that man is horrible, says Sally. And she's wearing her marigolds again. Yes, which is adorable. love it. Love it. Tim's dad turns up at work and wants to talk to Alia about running the place. It's not working, he says, but he doesn't mean selling to her. He means her selling to him. A 70-year-old white dude thinks that he can run the Pakistani street restaurant. She tells him he can go fuck himself if he thinks she's selling the family business to him. Alia calls him a vindictive, spiteful little man, and he tells her he's about to fi- she's about to find out exactly how, how spiteful he can be. Right. <laughs> Later, he drops it on Sally and Tim with a welcome home gift, and we learn that Gina has a new boyfriend and things are working out quite well for her, so that's nice, isn't it? Yes, it is nice. He reveals he's offered to buy Alia out, and Sal- Sally's shocked. Why would she accept? It's a family business, and she points out that Tim's dad wasn't so keen when Alia offered to buy him out. Sally has heard enough and goes off to unpack. It's speed dial. Alia is run ragged. Her chef hasn't shown up for work. She calls him Snavid, who got a message from Tim's dad to tell him not to come in today. And this seems to be the straw to break her back, and after bumping into a case of wine bottles, she finally screams at everyone to fuck off out of there, including ITV Corey. Who has Asha. been a total shit to her. He was a complete twat. He was yep. such a shit. Such a shitty human being. After, you know... Up in up at the kebab shop, it was kind of like, oh, well, I guess he's nice again. Mm-hmm. And, oh, I guess maybe he wasn't that bad after all. He seems really apologetic. And then he immediately goes back to being an utter cunt to another woman. And it's like, why did we even bring ITV Corey back? Why? Why have we subjected ourselves to this shitty little teenage incel freak? piece of shit well, i'm sure it's a lovely person in real life are you done uh you know there's there's all, all this speculation and 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 leaked information about supposedly some horrible teenage tragedy for next year that will involve you know the teenagers of the street and i just hope it's a horrible death for itv's cory itv's cory itv's cory so anyway, uh, <laughs> she screams at everyone to leave, and eventually they do, leaving Alia in tears. In comes Tim, and Tim's dad want to know what's going on. Alia says that she's had enough, and she waves a bottle of wine around. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree, says Tim's dad. What did you say, says Alia, brandishing a broken bottle at him. What did you say? Uh-huh. <laughs> say it again. Just say it again. Motherfucker. Give me a reason. On Friday, Alia's continuing to brandish the bottle and she accuses Tim's dad of ruining people's lives. Yasmin, her family, Tim's mum, who disappeared suspiciously. She reckons that she'd be doing the world a favour if she'd just finished them off with the bottle and be done with it. And Tim manages to talk her down. Killing Tim's dad won't solve anything, he says. 
Alia lays a bottle down and Tim, more so than ever, looks like he might be having his suspicions about his dad. Yeah. So Tim and then Tim's dad tell Alia to go home and get some rest. But Alia isn't buying this sympathy from Tim's dad and tells Tim to open his eyes. Down comes Ryan and sees what's going on. Ali explains what happened and Ryan isn't late in putting the blame on Tim's dad and this time he tells Tim to open his eyes. Ali and Ryan leave and Tim ropes Tim's dad and, into cleaning up for him. And Ryan mentions, you know, in that discussion about the fact that she didn't want alcohol there and then there's all this alcohol here. Mm-hmm. And then it never comes up again. Tim never says to Tim's dad, well, you did do this thing which is horribly racist and culturally inappropriate to do. Because Tim's going to realise this because Tim's sharp as a tack. Doesn't miss a trick this Tim. Still, still, you know, when even Tim's got to recognise that this is not something that you do. Tim's dad finds it remarkable that somehow he's the one getting the blame for everything when he was the one that got stabbed in the neck. And again, Tim doesn't seem so sure. At home, Alia is sickened that Tim's dad is winning. She explains how he offered to buy her out and promised to make her life a misery and how he texted Navid to tell him not to come in. Ryan thinks maybe she should sell up and just get rid of it, but this is something that Yasmin uh, was going to focus on when she gets out of jail. Ryan wants to fuck Tim's dad up, but he'd end up in prison like Yasmin and Ali. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, we have, which Ryan I have. kind of figured out when Ryan had that phone call earlier in the day. He reveals that Ali got four months thanks to uh, Gary Windass. Ryan tells Alia if she reacts to Tim's dad like she's been doing, he really will have one. Meanwhile, Tim and Tim's dad are cleaning up all of this because of Alia's hissy fit. And Tim thinks there was more to it than that. He invites Tim for a can or two at his place and Tim is maybe up for one. Tim's dad is put out by this, but Tim is is confused as to why Alia and Ryan have it in for Tim's dad so much and what did happen to Elaine and what did he do to provoke Alia this is the last thing Tim's dad wants Tim siding with the enemy the enemy asks Tim he thought they were business partners and suddenly he's lost his appetite for beer and he leaves Tim's dad to finish cleaning up and, and you walk know up it zone. takes a lot for Tim to lose his appetite for beer right <laughs> later at home Faye's round to pick up her jacket and Tim's dad thought that Faye had come round to see Faye's granddad she sighs and asks how uh, he's been doing, which allows him to complain about Alia and Tim and Yasmin. And when Faye points out that Yasmin has had a heart attack, he decides that Faye is against him too. Tim's dad thinks he's heading for an early grave. He asks her to speak to Tim about this. So back home, Faye explains <laughs> that Tim's dad wants to wants her to speak to Tim, and Tim doesn't want to. They discuss the state Alia was in and how Alia and Ryan blamed Tim's dad for that. Sally thinks Tim's dad has a nasty streak, and the way that he talks to people, particularly women, is problematic. Absolutely. Later, Sally hates seeing Tim like like this. If only the CCTV camera had had been working, Tim says, all this could be cleared up. And Sally's astonished as Tim explains that Tim's dad had set up cameras in the house after they got burgled. Manipulative and as creepy as Daniel, says Sally. (laughs) Tim tries to explain it away as just being protective and wants security for his family, but Sally thinks it's just plain old fucking weird as fuck. Sally had hoped that some time away would make Tim see things clearer, but that hasn't happened. Either he can't see what's in front of his eyes, or he refuses to do so, because everyone is telling the same story. Tim's dad is a manipulative, abusive bully, and he's doing to Tim what he did to Yasmin. He's not a nice guy. 
Tim, who couldn't read until a few years ago, claims that Tim's dad was a great parent. He refuses <laughs> to cut Tim's dad out of his life. Not for Sally. Excellent point. Not for no one. Excellent point, by the way, Broomy. Yeah. Well done. Thank you. Well done. And that's how we end this week's episodes. Sally's point was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Tim's dad is doing to Tim what he's already done to Yasmin. Mm-hmm. And what he's been doing to Tim his whole life. Right. Let's remember. You know, which gives me a little bit of sympathy for Tim because this has been happening his whole life. You know, so it's a little bit harder for him to claw his way out of it than it is for Yasmin or even his mum. A bad week for Tim's dad, I would say. And it's all his own doing. Yeah, If he hadn't wound up Alia, if he hadn't turned up for a shift that wasn't due to work, if he hadn't decided unilaterally to let Ryan go... And and the and the cook and just just to make Alia's life hard, and then to get that to apply for the license and then buy all that booze when the license hadn't been approved yet, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 to have it just lying all over the place, right, in the front room, like like the ultimate fuck you to Alia, like look look at all this stuff that you know your religion says you can't have and yet it's right here in front of your face, ha 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 ha. He thinks he's winning, but all that he's done is... Made things worse. Made... He's poked the bear. Mm-hmm. And now Tim, for all his protestations at the end there... Tim's dad is Japan. Is, is definitely uh, coming to a, a, a new conclusion. Faye, who was very much Team Tim's dad mm-hmm. until recently, now doesn't seem to want to have anything to do with the old guy. Yeah. I nearly said another word, <laughs> but you've already said it, so we can't use up. We can't do two in one episode. We can because it's two different people that we're calling one. No, that's me. But um, <laughs> all it's done is made him more isolated mm-hmm. in his own family. Yeah, and I this is only going to get worse. Yeah, because I think Tim was really affected by how upset Alia was because he keeps saying she was crying you uh-huh. know she was in tears she was really upset what did you do to make her that upset yeah you know and I think this is the first time he's really seen somebody this upset by something that Tim's dad has done instead of just yelling and screaming the yelling and screaming only goes so far but this is like real you know sadness an emotion. Not that the anger wasn't real, but in Tim's mind, a woman's tears is, is more effective than her yeah. shouting. Yeah, he, he can't not notice that. Yeah. And, and, and Sally has an excellent is. Sally has an excellent point that it's it's women that Tim's dad has a problem with mm-hmm. more than men. I mean he's shit to men as well. Let's not forget Brian's beans. Poor Brian's beans. But R. I. P. Lest we forget. <laughs> But, you know, he's really misogynistic and Tim is not. And how did Tim, how did this not happen that Tim hates women just as much as his dad? How does he not hate women? It it doesn't make much sense to me. The reflection of Lemmy talking in my glasses is distracting. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. I. 
You're right, but I didn't enjoy watching it this week. It just... I, I kind of enjoyed it. Because I enjoyed... Uh, enjoyed seeing it fall apart a bit more for him. I am so glad that finally somebody has mentioned that CCTV stuff. Mm-hmm. Because now somebody's going to go to the police and say, hey, he was recording stuff the whole time. Did did you find any CCTV footage? You did have that laptop for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, PC Dum Dum will be... Or uh, Fred D- Armisen D- and DSI, DSI buyings will not be buying it. Mm. But yeah, it's good that Sally now knows. Because yes. Sally's a, a little bit... Uh, Smarter. Yeah, she's smarter and she's uh, like a dog with a bone. Yeah, yeah she is. I think she's not going to let this go. No. I'd, I'd be amazed if something doesn't come out of Sally knowing about this now. Absolutely. Moment of the week. It, it, it wasn't a great week. Yeah. There wasn't much to laugh at. It wasn't a huge amount of fun. No. Kathy. Kathy and Dev. Yes. Yeah, I'd agree with that. That and and her, you know, half off beans. That I was surprised at how much that affected me. Right. It was this. It was this short, quiet thing, but I think it really, really captures the feeling of the everyday people watching the show. You know about what we're all going through during this time so i think it was really really effective and it 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 gave kathy a moment to shine which we don't often get to see yeah they, they give her kind of the light relief recently yeah but this was uh oh she was so helpless yes it's so well acted mm-hmm. so well acted by both of them but especially by by kathy yeah yeah that's our moment of the week Moment of the week? Your boring moment of the week. I, I, honestly, I can't. I, I, I kind of feel like I can't give it to Daniel this week because. No, I don't see so <laughs> Because his, his stuff wasn't necessarily boring, you know, because it was him explaining to Adam the whole creepy clothes thing, which is kind of. Mm. The cardigans on the chair. Mm. As I. As I line of dialogue that will be burned into my brain for the rest of my life, I think. <laughs> um, the um, Ray Weinstein picking up coffee. Eh. Didn't really mention that in my notes. It was a bit of a No, nothing. because it was a bit of a nothing. And it was just a reminder. It was, in a, it was only there to remind us that he's a creep that we don't like. It was really because Nina basically... Er, Shona says to Nina, that guy's a creep. I stay well away from him. And Nina says, good to know. And it's like, do do we really need this dialogue? Was that not the other way around? Because Shona doesn't know who Ray Weinstein is. No, because David has told her oh. about it. You know, it's all this, all this stuff that Shona knows. She has to make, she has to make sure to say, David told me about this thing. Because David knows he's a creep. Does he? Mm-hmm. Everybody knows he's a creep. Uh, yes. Oh, fuck it. Fine, whatever. That's a... For a moment of the week. 
a boring moment of the week. So, if you've ever flashed your bra at a few million people at 7.50 on a Wednesday evening, definitely get in touch. Mm-hmm. We are the talk of the street at gmail.com for email, which is also how you can leave a voicemail on Skype or leave a few badgers in our virtual tip jar on PayPal. We are at Cory Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And check out our Twitter bio for a link to our merch store. I can say the quality is there. Mm-hmm. It's a good t shirt. Yes, it is. I'm quite happy with that. Uh, is that it? Oh, and if you have the time and inclination, uh, Rating and a review on iTunes would be much appreciated. Thank you for making it to the end of another episode, and we will be back next week with more Talk of the Street. Street. Bye. Cheerio.